1: Better Call Paul is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. Hey everyone, this is Paul Sarker from Better Call Paul. Just wanted to remind you that the show is intended for entertainment purposes only and is not legal advice. I am not your lawyer unless we separately agree for me to represent you and the views expressed by Mesh and me are solely our own. Hey everyone, welcome back to Better Call Paul the show where we discuss legal and business side behind the scenes of Hollywood sports and entertainment. I'm your co-host, Paul Sarker, former Marvel lawyer and current big law media attorney.
0: And I am your other co-host, Mesh Lakani.
1: There is a lot going on in the world of BCP with sports world, college conference realignments, WGA SAG strikes, box office we've talked about. The Women's World Cup's
0: going on right now. Women's
1: World Cup. But this week, This episode, we're talking about music.
0: I'm excited about this one. It was nice to like go deep on these and just to give people set expectations. We're going to talk about Lizzo. We're going to talk about Dua Lipa. And of course, we're going to talk about, I guess, who should be president. Taylor Swift just lifting up the economy, but we'll get to that. In the meantime, before we kick it off, you know, we usually do some banter on what we're watching or what we're seeing or what shows we've been to. And honestly, I don't have
1: much. The only thing I finished recently. You just finished Hijack.
0: I just finished Hijack. I was about to yeah. say the same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was appointment viewing. I got to say it was a, a little anticlimactic,
0: but it it was anticlimactic. I have a few friends who we have a group chat on about Hijack specifically. And they wrote they were both very disappointed. My brother in law and, and one of my best friends. And I, I was OK with it. It's one of those shows where, like, you've got to suspend everything you think about anything because there's so many holes in this plot. But I'll tell you what they do well. They did do suspense really well for something that you knew. Oh, my God, yeah. You, like, Suspense, knew. it was, like,
1: an 11 out of 10.
0: The way they did it was, like, I know, I, I think I know what's going to happen, but why do I still feel nervous? If you haven't seen it yet, it's really suspenseful. Uh, again, it's entertaining. You want to watch the next episode. I think it just goes to show Idris Elba has a huge fan base. He's really good in this type of part. And it's the number one show for Apple right now. So
1: good for Idris Elba. I'm a big fan of Idris. So anything that he does, I'm going to watch. I agree. It's a great show and a show where every episode felt like a movie. I feel like, of course, there was going to be maybe a little bit of a letdown. But if there wasn't, I mean, God help us, that would have been the most exciting finale of all time. (laughs) So let's kick in with our first main topic this week, which is To throwback, actually, to episode five of BCP, when I think we, you could say we first started hitting our stride. So we talked about in that episode, specifically music copyright infringement and how it can be a really tricky thing to prove. And often it involves expert witnesses because it's not just, hey, do these two songs sound the same? You have to prove access. You have to prove unauthorized use of a protectable work. It doesn't have to be a straight record. It could be something that was like a piece of a song. That was reused without permission, but not necessarily something that's generic or unprotectable. So, like, the building blocks of a song. So, it's a very nuanced thing. Anyway, in that episode, we talked about how Dua Lipa, if you haven't seen she she appears in Barbie. Does she? You didn't know? No, I had no idea. She's in it? Yeah, so she's like the
0: mermaid. No way! Okay. <laughs> I didn't put two and two
1: together. Yeah, yeah. So, she... Um, <laughs> That's funny. She, so she was sued over her hit "Levitating" by Article Sound System. That case was ended, ended up being dismissed, and then two songwriters. And then recently, she was sued a third time by Bosco Conte. So that was the suit that was filed last week in LA federal court. He's asking for two million dollars in damages plus twenty million in lost profits. So apparently, he's suing Dua and Warner Music. And this is where it gets tricky because it's tricky. he says he he has an oral agreement with yeah. them. Yeah. That limited his recording, the talk box, which is basically like you can talk into it and sync it up with instruments. And I think it adjusts the sound. It's a
0: tube that you connect to a synthesizer or your phone and you can make sounds with it and then move the keys around. And
1: then you can like manipulate instruments too, right? You can manipulate
0: instruments. But the thing about the talk box is like the talk box has been used for, a. I, I don't know if he, created the top box but I think he created the version that can go into your phone or like a synth because the talk box what's like the electro drip or something yeah because the talk box has been used for like deck like a a few decades now in rock and roll It used to attach to a
1: pedal right exactly
0: attach a pedal
1: I mean like Peter Frampton
0: yeah Peter Frampton like Weezer I mean Dave Grohl used it a a few times like uh, I've seen this used and it's a really cool sound in his case I think the talk box is. You see a lot of like TikTok videos like this. They use it on a keyboard, and mm-hmm. it's like added into a production to add like a sound effect in the back.
1: Right. Sure. So he didn't invent the talk box, but he created his own version of it. Yeah. And yeah. he he's self-proclaimed as a very prominent talk box artist. So he's worked with Kanye. He's worked with Big Boy, and he's J. worked Cole. with Dua Lipa. Yeah. So J Cole. And apparently he gave permission to use his talk box recording in the original levitating. But he right. said in, there was an oral agreement, which is, you know, murky, that it could not be used in any other work or any samples or remixes. So it was apparently used in at least two other remixes. Yep. Uh, the Bless Madonna remix, yeah. and then The Baby, and then it was also perform- in a remix that was performed at the yeah. American Music Awards by Dua yeah. Lipa. And so based on those three infringing works, he's suing and he's asking for you know $22 million.
0: First of all, I mean, I'm not the lawyer here. You're obviously the lawyer here. For my, I'm skeptical because I'm like, why would you, first of all, in music... Why would you have an oral agreement? One. And then two, why wouldn't you want an agreement that says anytime you use this, let me get paid in in other remixes? Cause like the way it's used in the song, it's like basically like a background noise. It's like, ooh,
1: yeah. Whatever that, it might that, be. That's so like that that like bouncy airy yeah, part in the yeah. beginning, right? And yeah. so like
0: I get that if it's a part of production, you maybe get credit as a as a producer or something. But when you're using it in a live performance, it's like the equivalent of someone saying, um, Hey, I made this riff like with the guitar in this version, and then your then your live musician is just doing a solo with the guitar. Like I don't, I don't, because I heard the American Music Awards one, and it's just like a, it's almost like a solo using the talk box. I I mean, I don't know if he can just claim anything used with the talk box in this song is his.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess he's saying that maybe they played the recording. I don't know if I don't know exactly how it worked, but he's saying that you know he his. Performance is recorded. He granted a license to use that in the original. We don't know what the compensation structure was. It's possible that he doesn't have a percentage of the song. He may have just been right. paid a one-time flat fee, and that's why he would have wanted to limit it to that original song. I mean, I don't know what the deal is, but it's actually more common than you might think, where yeah. you know people are in the recording studio or, or riffing, and they don't have lawyers present. They don't sign agreements. They're just like, oh, yeah, you can use this in this. But it's very murky, So it's very possible, but it's hard to prove what an oral agreement said. And a lot of times, like, oral contracts are enforceable, but there's a lot of gray area about what they mean, how they're interpreted. Uh, And there's only limited circumstances where they're enforceable and where you would need a written agreement. And that's considered, like, the statute of frauds, which we could, you know, if anyone wants to go to law school, I can do a deeper dive (laughs) on that. But the the main takeaway here is it's murky, and he had apparently reached out to – his reps and Warner Music Group several times over the past Mm. year to try to resolve this. And apparently they kind of just like ghosted him. And so now he filed this lawsuit.
0: Well, I can see that from that angle. I mean, on one angle, I was saying like, why wouldn't you have a written agreement or want to put this in multiple songs? Maybe he didn't think there was going to be remixes of the song. But then I get, if if you're not being answered and you're listening to this part of the song, which... You know, is it a big part of the song? It's a part of the song. It's not the hook right. or anything.
1: This isn't about unauthor. I mean, it is technically it's unauthorized, but he's saying that there was a license. She's just going beyond the scope of it. So yeah. we don't have so, to figure yeah. out, did she have access to it or does it sound the same? That's kind of conceded, right? That's taken as a given that she had permission to use it in one, at least yes. one version, but did she have permission to use it in others? That's really what would be governed by contract. And if they don't have a written contract, it's very hard to say what either side thought the deal was. So it's murky for sure, but we'll see if it gets dismissed. We'll see if it goes beyond that. I mean, certainly if it gets, survives a motion to dismiss, then I think Warner and Dewar are going to have to do some sort of settlement. But it's not the kind of thing you'd want to go to trial I over.
0: mean, th- this song is just continues to be a great song. Love the song. Causes causing more issues for her. obviously you mentioned you know the 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 one article sound system that got tossed out but then the ongoing debate is between the two songwriters Sandy and Linzer and Russell Brown is is ongoing from what I understand about levitating so the producer Stephen I don't know how to pronounce this name Cosmanuk uh, Manuk, went to Conte um, and in 2019 about creating a talk box track on levitating. He agreed verbally to what you were saying earlier. And and then maybe it's just one of those things. Song blows up and and you're like, well, maybe I should have gotten
1: paid a lot more than I should. Who knows? If he signed an agreement and he he didn't get a percentage of the song or points on it or anything like that, then tough luck. Right. Because if he got if he signed an agreement for a flat fee and then no matter how successful the song is, his fee is what it is. But if he's getting a percentage or, or a piece of the royalty, then that's you know great for him. The more successful it is, the more he makes. But it doesn't sound like he signed anything, which is yeah. really tricky. So maybe there's emails about what they, right. what the scope of what people were thinking about. But typically, there's a certificate of results and proceeds that all contributors have to sign, which basically says that they own. Uh, the results of proceeds and that there's really no limitation on their ability to edit, reuse, put in other works. So that's something that is often negotiated in my space, but apparently he didn't sign anything. So it's a jump ball. I mean, I think the amount that he's asking for is
0: also seems very, very large, but again, I, I'm not a talk box maker and produce songs, so I don't know what the appropriate number is.
1: Yeah. And I always tell people, it's like, you don't generally ask for like, you know, don't lowball yourself on the ask, yeah. right? When you're yeah. filing lawsuits, oh, lawsuits yeah, are expensive, <laughs> takes a lot of time. This was a big hit, uh, Billboard number two. She's a huge star. So I imagine he's he's just saying, well, like the pro- the song probably made X amount of profit. We'll talk about the yep. last topic on this show is some scope of the revenue that you can generate from a tour which is different than a particular individual song, but Levitating was like the song of the year, you it could is, say, yeah. in, in 2021, 2022, 2021. So, of course, he's going to ask for a lot. A cool
0: 22 million. Let's take a break, and we'll get back, continue our music episode, and talk about Lizzo's lawsuit.
1: So, uh, this was wild. And, Mesh, I really, really didn't want to talk about this because I don't think it's entirely our lane, but then, you know, it is entertainment and it is law, so it kind of is our lane. But for those who don't know, Lizzo was sued by three of her former backup dancers on the special tour. They made some really serious allegations going from harassment, uh, sexual harassment, weight shaming hostile workplace, forcing religion and lack of consideration for others' religious beliefs. They really threw a lot of stuff at Lizzo. They fought a lawsuit in LA Superior Court last week, and Lizzo basically denied everything. She right. released a statement on Instagram saying that this is all you know, blown out of proportion and sensationalized, and it's really just like these people are looking for headlines and trying to be opportunistic. And then she also lawyered up by hiring marty singer who's a very famous defense attorney who's worked with jonah hill chris brown i believe he defended bill cosby she's taking it seriously
0: and just to give context on who these people are so two of the three people ariana davis and crystal williams they became dancers for lizzo it was after they had competed on a reality tv show on amazon prime called watch out for the big girls in 2021 the lawsuit says miss davis and miss williams were fired in the spring of 2023. And then the third person, Noelle Rodriguez, was hired to be in Lizzo's Rumors music video with the dance team. Uh, And then she resigned shortly after the other two plaintiffs were fired. I was like reading into this lawsuit says like they're at a nightclub in Amsterdam. Lizzo began inviting employees to touch nude performers, uh, it says, a "quote unquote," hand and handle dildos and bananas used in the in the performance. You added
1: in body shaming. There's all these other things. So this was one thing that um, one allegation. So apparently she made the dancers re audition in the middle of the tour. So apparently Ariana Davis, uh, she was in this 12 hour audition. She didn't think she could go to the bathroom. Apparently she soiled herself. Oh my and that's god. That's in the complaint. And Ariana also, she's been diagnosed as a binge eater. She has like a binge eating disorder and she was asked to explain her weight gain and apparently she was fat shamed. They're also suing Lizzo's production company, Big Girl Touring Inc. and the dance team captain, Shirlene Quigley. They're alleging that Shirlene Quigley was maybe one of the orchestrators of this and she would also lead like prayer sessions and talk about her Christian faith and encourage or require people to join in in the prayer regardless of their religious beliefs. But I guess when you're deciding to file this lawsuit, you meet with the plaintiff's attorney and they're like, well, is there anything else you think we can throw in there? And maybe that's what that is. I don't know.
0: Uh, Yeah. I don't know what to make of this. Uh, I am a Lizzo fan. She seems like a lovely person. You never know what happens behind the scenes, but look, these tours are really intense. And I, I like, I randomly follow a lot of like dancers on YouTube and and TikTok. I find them, you know, these dance crews that dance on like Bieber's tour and Taylor Swift's tour. I find it very entertaining. They're amazing at what they do. It is like a small community of people.
1: Like it's a brutal gig. Yeah, I mean, it's a brutal gig. It's intense. It's short term. There's not a lot of yeah. protection or so. What like when you're on, there's no downtime. You have to travel all over the place. But there's also not a lot of security in it either.
0: There's not a lot of security in it. You got to basically, I would assume you got to hope that you're booking one of these tours and like that steady income and you're on a really big one too. So you're traveling constantly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't like, yes, I understand that work, like, but I don't even think they're even talking like the working conditions specifically. It's, it's really more about the, the body shaming and the sexual harassment suit, which are, you know, if two people who were fired and then the third who is, who resigned, it's always a little tricky. like, You don't really know what happened. Is this just maybe was a culture misfit? Who knows?
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like they've pled enough facts to state, if true, some some claims. And one of the things that people often don't realize, and I guess it's a delicate balance, is like just because you are someone's boss doesn't make them your friend, right? And so Lizzo's the boss. If she's on tour and they're like, you know, we just had you know, four shows in a row, we need to blow off some steam. I want to go out on the town who's in, I'm paying, right? Like everyone joins in. Maybe some people are going against their will because they feel like if they say, Hey, I don't want to be there, then they might get left out of opportunities or they might not be like on Lizzo's good side or whatever, allegedly. And so just because they're there, doesn't necessarily make them your friend and where you, there might be a situation where you might be comfortable like encouraging a friend to push boundaries or something. I'm not even saying you would, but I'm just saying like, if you think it's your friend and they're not going to be offended by, but if they're your employee, then there's a whole different legal structure in place, right? Like employer, employee liability is very different than just like two random people. If they're an independent contractor hired by you, the standards could be different, but we just don't know. This isn't the first time this has happened. I believe Britney Spears was sued on a different tour. Cher was sued and it's because of what you said earlier. It's I mean, it's a very demanding, intense thing. There's probably a lot of emotions. I don't think anyone brought up wrongful termination because, you know, you, you are technically at will. So they probably could have been fired for any reason or no reason, as long as it's not a discriminatory reason. This is a big story, mainly because Lizzo, part of her appeal, in addition to the songs and her talent as a performer, was her... Body positivity, her acceptingness of like all different types of people, the fact that she is one of the few heavy set or larger performers, the fact that she made it and she's very unique in that regard, uh, you would think she'd be a little bit more empathetic to people who are heavy and performing.
0: Yeah. And she did say in a statement, she takes this stuff super seriously, given all what you've said. So I think she's also pretty. Hence, you know, denying the claims and being pretty upset about this whole thing. I would assume that they bring in people from who are currently on her dance team or people who work for her. Maybe they can speak at a different light and provide some context into maybe these people weren't the right fit. Maybe this did happen. You know, when I hear two plaintiffs competed on a reality TV show to get the gig and then they were soon fired after a few red flags go up for me, just given And I'm basing it simply on, like, reality TV in general and, like, why, yes, there's, you know, people either want to be famous or it is actually a really great opportunity to get a gig, but then they were fired. Little skepticism in my head,
1: but, again, don't know the full story. Yeah, and I don't think anyone does, but I think it almost doesn't matter, right? Right. In the court of public opinion, the fact that the lawsuit was filed, the fact that it came to light kind of undermines the image that Lizzo has used to sort of like market herself and build her brand. And where there's smoke, there's fire. So there's, I think she lost 170,000 Instagram followers when she released her statement denying Mm. everything um, because she really didn't accept any accountability or she didn't say, hey, like- You know, I was having fun. I'm, you know, I've developed a super thick skin through all my trials and tribulations. I thought they did too. And I just, I I meant no harm. That's a good point. She was like, this is all manufactured to tear me down. I didn't see this coming, you know, blindsided and whatever. So in the court of public opinion, which really doesn't follow facts or like the legal process, some people have probably already been like, hey, I thought part of the reason I liked her was because I thought she was XYZ. I thought she was totally accepting of this. And she was like a champion for people who are of different body types. So if the fact that she's even associated with allegations like this makes That's me true. question whether I should still support her. So that is already kind of there. So yeah, she could win legally. She could get the thing dismissed, but it's already kind of yes. a black eye for her It's not her a good image. thing for her image. Yes. And her brand. And it's interesting. Did you, did you read this angle about, so in the rumor song, she talked about how she had to um, cut some hoes loose and sign some NDA. She wasn't going to talk about it further. <laughs> no, and so it's like life imitates art in a way because she kind of did do that in a way. Yeah, 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 speaking. yeah, But like I said, it's a very tricky area because it's just super demanding working conditions. And if they weren't working out as dancers, then Lizzo legally you know, is entitled to fire them. I mean, I don't know what they signed as far as labor agreements, but generally speaking. Um, totally. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like her company,
0: right? Like she, she's she got a tour. She's got a brand. Like I said before, there's a culture fit with the type of people she might want to have on tour with her. You know, she's allowed to hire and then fire people. Yeah, they're people probably they're at will, right you fit. know? Yeah. 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 So we'll keep so. an eye on the story and, and see how it develops, but let's take a break and then we're going to get back with this Taylor Swift and how she's saving the economy.
1: So this is uh, kind of the complete 180 of the last topic we just discussed, which is that's a tour which you know arguably was success- successful, but super demanding. And so some of the people working on the tour filed a lawsuit against Lizzo. In this case, part of the reason we're talking about Taylor Swift is as her the first leg of her U.S. tour comes to an end, she just paid out five million dollars in bonuses to her truckers. So she had fifty truckers; she each gave them a hundred grand, which is five million bonuses. People are talking about how she's sharing the wealth. Everyone on the tour is getting rewarded for their determination and hard work, and the fact that the tour was a huge success, potentially up there with Beyonce as the highest-grossing tour of all time. uh, People are saying. We actually initially talked about this in episode 42 Uh, at the end of last year. We talked about how the demand for Taylor Swift's AeroTour tickets was so high. So this is what Ticketmaster said, because if you guys remember, when the tickets first went on sale, people who had pre-sale codes, they got the codes like several days in advance. Those people even had to wait 10 hours to get tickets. And there were allegations, even the Senate was investigating whether Ticketmaster was screwing this process up and violating antitrust law. I don't really know what's happened with that investigation, but Ticketmaster said at the time, they said the demand for this show is so high, for this tour, (laughs) Taylor Swift would have to play something like 300 shows. Yeah. And they would all sell out, and that's what it would take to meet the demand. So she's playing, I think, 44 shows. And then she's going to go on international leg. And then she's going to do more uh, domestic shows. But I think in total, in twenty twenty four, Yeah, in 2024. Yeah. So it's going to be over 100 shows in total.
0: The interesting thing here is that she's one of the top brands in the world right now. I mean, it's been months since this tour started. And you still hear people talking about it because they come to their city. Whoever are high-profile people there are talking about it. Everybody wants to get tickets to this thing. Here are just some numbers, right? So the, the tour was originally estimated to make in like the 700 million range. Then it, be, it was on track to do 100, a billion. Now they're saying 1.6. I think already it's made about it's made over 600 million in revenue. She makes 13 million a night. There's the average ticket, and then there's the average spend per person for this concert is around like from what i've read $1300 including the ticket merch hotel right so the average ticket flight. is
1: 254 and yes. the average spend is 1300 it's
0: 1300 and here's just like a few different city representatives the the Philly well, Federal, the Federal Reserve. Reserve the Federal, Federal Reserve,
1: Reserve wrote a statement saying like <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons maybe we didn't have this recession is because of Taylor Swift.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's not even a joke. Like it's the the Philly Federal Reserve officials reported hotel bookings rise, showing the strongest growth. Since beginning of the pandemic, May was the strongest month for hotel revenue. Cincinnati said that the tour gave downtown hotels gross more than $2.6 million and surrounding hotels at $5.3 million. Chicago Tourism and Marketing said it's the first the first weekend in June broke hotel occupancy records thanks to the Eros tour. And they had an oncology conference
1: and they had the James Beard Awards. <laughs> but yes, Taylor Swift had something yeah. to do with it.
0: Taylor Swift had something to do with it. She's, you know, you, you mentioned the bonuses, and that's just her truck drivers. That doesn't include what she will give to her crew, the dancers, roadies, like you know, stage crew. I mean, there's so many
1: people involved with this thing. So, Question Pro, which is an economic think tank, I guess they said when all is said and done, when you add up the flights, the outfits, the food, the merch, the tickets, all legs of the tour. They're estimating it could generate five billion in revenue. That's what I heard too. Yeah, that's. I don't know. Awesome. I mean, that seems wild. Get this. So you said thirteen hundred dollars average spend per concert goer. Ninety-one percent said they would do it again. So and yes, seventy-one percent said yes. that it was worth the money.
0: Dude, it's it's so it's really cool, man. I think because she's you know the image of Taylor Swift, she's this lovely person. Um, she gives back. I mean, I it's it's really cool to think that she's gonna be you know, potentially the the highest grossing tour in history. And now I, I know that, you know, Beyonce has a tour coming up. My bet. Oh, it's is going that, on. It's, is it going on right now? Oh, see, yeah. I didn't even know. All I know. Is yeah, Taylor it was Swift in New York last tour, weekend. Right? Didn't. Oh, you know what? I did know. A friend of mine went to it, but it, it was in, uh, it was one of the Met stadiums, Life. right? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, and I still think that Taylor Swift will bring, like, I think Taylor Swift will hold that.
1: So just Forbes has – Forbes projects Beyonce to generate – the Renaissance store to generate $2 billion, and they project Taylor Swift to generate $1.6. Just, you know, for
0: that. Uh, no, I I hear you. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm – like I like Beyonce. I just really like Taylor Swift, and I just – I don't know if there's, like, a bigger market for Taylor Swift. Unclear, but just to give people, like, reference, like, very cool – these two women grossing over a billion. If we look at the history of a highest grossing tours, just to give a few of them, the highest one before that was Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road tour which was you know 2018 through 2020 then 22 to now that was about 850 million Ed Sheeran's tour did about 776 U2 the 360 tour which was like uh, over a decade ago did 736 and then everything else after that is like in the half a billion range. And so Harry Styles did about 418 and he was behind AC/DC, Coldplay, The Rolling Stones, Guns N' Roses and then Roger Waters uh, from Pink Floyd. So, look, I mean, Taylor Swift beats all these guys out, and then Beyonce and Taylor Swift. And like I said, she just announced new tour dates for North America back in Canada uh, and the U.S. again um, in 2024. i got to imagine it's super exhausting for her, but she's making a lot of bank. She is actually doing a lot for the economy. And I think the cool thing is that she's not out there marketing that. You know, it's all these local officials and people in the cities they're talking
1: about it because they're so well they want taylor swift to do more shows right and do yeah the other thing so some people like the uber fans go to like multiple Multiple shows shows. (laughs) because she'll switch it up and do a few different songs every show or have some different special guests yeah so it is a slightly different experience like obviously 1300 if you bring if you have if you go with a couple friends or if you have a family like that adds up right so you're not necessarily going to be able to do multiple shows but Great for her, great for the industry, for force of nature. You
0: know, I'd love to go. I'm gonna try to do 2024, see if I can go. Everyone said it's one of the most amazing performances. Uh, one really quick note that I saw um, You know, for Australia and uh, the Australian leg of the tour, People, like the increase of more flights from New Zealand to Australia because people wanted to travel to go see the tour because she's not going to New Zealand. So they saw like an uptick and the, the the airlines added more flights so that they could take people to Australia so they could go to this tour. Um, that is how freaking massive Taylor Swift is. Congrats to her. Super cool. This was like a fun topic just to talk about. Obviously, we're fans here. So, um, and I hopefully, you know, we'll get to check this out in 2024 when she gets back.
1: Yeah, well, she's still doing six shows in L.A. starting um, yeah, this weekend. Yeah, sold-out so. shows. Yeah, good luck yeah. getting a
0: ticket uh, in L.A. or if you want to pay an insane amount of money. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what the bonuses look like at the end of that uh, that leg of, um, you know, the U.S. tour. The, the international
1: think. tour? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, yeah, man, so, yeah, great for her. And, um, Paul, it was fun to
1: talk about music this episode. Yeah, yeah, that's our show for this week. Thanks, everyone.
0: Uh, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast, folks. Apple, Spotify, wherever you choose to listen. Tell your friends, tell your family. Tell
1: Follow us, on. leave us a review.
0: Leave us a review. Yeah, Give us- leave, leave us a review. Hit us up, hit me up on Twitter at Mesh Likani. Follow us on, on TikTok and Instagram at Better Call Paul, the podcast. Better Call Paul is produced and edited by Valentino Rivera and assistant producer Lisa Sanders. Have a great week.
1: Thanks, everyone.